everybody welcome to the 304th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in sunny rip city and i got my man sage back from his trip to southern oregon made it out alive um did go 45 miles an hour on the hills because my car is it, it's gonna it's gonna throw a rod pretty soon but i'm here in portland about to talk about this free agency and uh yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. We we got a we had a surprise last night, so that's always good. Yeah, I, for the first time in a while, I'm pretty excited about what the franchise is doing. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see I have my my new vintage tea that my in-laws scooped up for me. Like uh, I put it out on Twitter, but they love antiquing and, and they know that our go-to things are cats. But for me specifically, is anything retro blazer. So. They always keep things, uh, they always look for me, which is awesome. So they got me a 1987 Steve Johnson. Uh, first year they did the starting lineup action figures, put that on my wall. Uh, two blazer glasses, uh, LaMarcus and Wesley um, to drink out of. Like I, as an employee, I got the set and it's in the display box. So I've got that displayed with my other set. So it's nice to have some extras to drink out of. And then they found this sweet, like 1992 Salem uh, Sports blazer shirt and i've i scour ebay and etsy like every day just to see what's up there and if there's a holy grail item that i'm looking for I've never seen this shirt before so i was just like jazzed uh that's a, it's that. a pretty cool shirt i was going to comment on it before the uh the uh podcast started i'm wow. just i'm just living the life of the the douchey uh massachusetts guy that i was born to be in wearing this red Sox t-shirt well, thank you. I appreciate that. Let's uh, let let's get into it, Sage. Uh, we we covered the draft. We covered the the Jeremy Grant trade. Clearly, it all rolls up into the off season. But uh, let's just discuss free agency. Uh, the first bit of news of free agency was Anthony Simons. Within probably half an hour, uh, came to terms on a four year, hundred million dollar extension as a restricted free agent. Again. We don't know what the final numbers are. Those are generally with incentives built in. We don't know if the fourth year is a player option, a team option, how that all shakes out. Regardless, Anthony Simons absolutely secured the bag and uh, Portland could not afford to let another young player go for nothing, much as they pretty much did with Gary Trent Jr. Sage, what were your thoughts on Portland bringing back Simons for that price? And what do you think it signals for the Blazers next season? So I this one was a complete and utter surprise to me because I was driving home from uh from Medford and then I got the notification from you when I uh did my uh pee break and I was like, huh. I thought it was gonna be like 20 million dollars a year, but the going to 25, it's like he he proved that he had he possesses a skill set that is super rare as the pull-up shooter. I think he's one of the better pull-up shooters in the league. So having that skill set already baked in, he developed it, it's good to go. I mean, shit. I, I think I'm going to say this for every single player that we talk about, but I'm very happy for every individual to get that life-changing and family-changing money from from playing a uh, 
a game that we all love. So congrats to them. But I, I thought it was like $5 million too expensive. But at, at the end of the day, you should, if you, if you think that he has superstar potential, you should invest in him. And the Blazers did just that. Yeah. I think the cost is a bit steep. Um, and again, when people say, well, it's not your money, it's, it's Jody Allen's money, Paul Allen's estate. Yeah, I get that, but we're still operating under a salary cap and a luxury tax and a hard cap and all those other terminologies that the more you spend, the tougher it is to roster build. With that said, uh, I think Portland did the right thing that they inked their, their player who really gives them a chance to win now, but also if things don't go so well this season or next season, He's a building have block. A, you have a fallback plan. You've mm-hmm. got a really nice core of Simons, uh, Shaden Sharp, Nasir Little, you know, even Keon Johnson could factor in there, maybe Trenton Watford. You still have some young pieces. So if you do decide to, hey, we're going to hit the reset button, you're not just going to start from scratch. You've got some really solid pieces to build around. Uh, I do love the fact that Anthony has improved every single season in the NBA. He's still only 22, 23 years old, incredibly young. Gonna not he may not even be in the prime of his career by the time this contract expires. So uh, it's always good to keep that in mind. It does feel a little bit like what the Blazers do in, in the sense of bidding against themselves. We saw Neil Olshay do that in the summer of 2016 with Mo Harkless and uh, Myers Leonard specifically. I don't know who else had the cap space to uh, attain Anthony Simons uh, that actually had a, a roster spot available, like Detroit in Orlando or have just guards, you know, a plethora of guards. They're not going to go after, go after ants. So uh, I didn't know exactly who Portland was bidding against, but again, I'm not going to quabble over an extra few million uh, a season. I will say though, Portland really does need to make sure there are some differences next season in terms of the pairing, right? Like we, we we've seen Dame and CJ for about seven years and that backcourt last year was about 70, $75 million just, just for those two players. It's going to be like $65 million for, for Dame and Amperny. Uh, the similarities are there. I, I get it. Amperny's probably better off of the catch and shoot. CJ's better off of the isolation. Both are shoot first, pass later uh, players. But they both do need to improve defensively. And Damian Lillard needs to improve defensively. So... If Portland is going to run this experiment back, which Dame, CJ, Dame, and it's it's very, very similar. They both need to put uh, – there has to be a testament to defense. Like, they have to hold each other accountable. They have to communicate. Like, we brought in other players to take some scoring burden off of those two guards. They just – they have to at least try. Like, I need to see real balls-to-the-wall effort defensively because it can't be what it has been – in Portland in this signing, especially for the years and the, the amount, signals to me that there is no debate. They are going to start Anthony Simons at the two. You just do not pay that much money for a player to come in off the bench. So while I would have preferred it be Damon Hart starting, uh, they're going with Damon Simons. There, That is uh, crystal clear uh, to me. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I noticed that a lot of people were comparing Ant's contract to Mal- uh, not Malcolm uh, Jalen Brunson. Uh, Brunson excuse me that was a slip of the tongue because maybe Brunson and Brogdon are very similar but comparing those two I feel like Ant is better because he's not going to get bullied defensively like Brunson 
Ant six four. That those three inches are hugely important. So if if given the choice between those two, Ant, Ant Ant's my guy. I know there's there, there's context, but Brunson got targeted in the league in the playoffs. So I I, I think that if if Ant has that, just I care about playing defense to the point where I will put the effort in and don't trust me to lock down the number one guy. We also have a guy for that, but as long as he's like a net negative a little bit, I feel like ants not getting played off the floor just because of the size. That's and the, the, that's the baseline for Anthony Simons. Just do not get targeted time and time again. You cannot become the NS Cantor of shooting guards. I mean, that, that's the, that's, that's the ball. That's not asking for that much to be No, that's honest. not asking for anything at all. So he, he has a, how many people have the God given athleticism that Anthony Simons does? That's not that many. People. Yeah. So he has the tools. He has the toolkit to perform the job. He just has to put in that effort. He could be, he, in theory, he could be a really good defender because of the athleticism. I don't think that it happens where he's like, I don't know, drew holiday with the defense, but I think that he could be one of those, off-ball defenders that's like i'm gonna put it put in the effort if you blow by me good for you but i'm gonna continue to play at this level for the rest of the game comparing ant to other point guards or other ball handlers that got paid it's like i i'm trusting ant because he has he has some skills that are super rare and then that that athleticism like if he can turn into an asshole and utilize that athleticism he could be really scary, but of course there's that, that worry of two small guards in that backcourt. And then, you know, Josh Harder and Nasir aren't the tallest of, of players or Shaden. So, you know, there is that, that fear factor of we might be just too small again, but, and is a really good dart throw to throw your, your money at compared to other players in the league and he's homegrown. So, you know, he has that, like that four years of grinding, to get to that hundred million. So I, I I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of uh, giving our really, really talented guy a chance. Next in the line of business for Portland this summer was to uh, re-sign Yusuf Nurkic, who was an unrestricted free agent Nurkic, who has seemingly been with Portland for, for decades. It feels like uh, re-upped four years, $70 million. That's about 17 and a half million annually. Uh, I, I'm not the biggest uh, Yusuf Nurkic fan in, in the world. I was uh, on board with maybe parting with him for a first-round pick at the deadline. I, I, I think center isn't as necessary as, as it once was. However, it's not the worst contract. It's only for four years, and it, it is a slight raise. I, I can be talked into being okay with this. Again, it's better than losing him for nothing, for nothing mm-hmm. but... I think I, I just want to see like consistent Bosnian beast. Like that's, what's going to help. That's going to be the X factor for every, every team every game. Nurk is, is on man. That that's just it. I I'm, I looked at where centers are getting paid and he's like at the eighth spot. He's just above Jonas Valanciunas in, in terms of salary. And then there's Jarrett Allen and um, Clint Capella above him. Does that factor in DeAndre Ayton's upcoming raise? No, it doesn't. Well, because he he hasn't he hasn't yeah, signed exactly. Yet. Yeah, so, so he's it, ninth now, probably. Yeah, so if he's the ninth, I can make an argument that Yusuf Nurkic is the ninth 
best center in the league. I, I like, I can say that he's better than Clint Cabela, who's making four million more than him. Of course, context matters on both of those players, but I can make that argument. If he's the ninth most expensive center, I, I think that's a fi- that's fine for the potential of use of Nurkic. Of course, he has to be consistent because that's that's been the the the, the most difficult thing for him. But that's if he can downfall. be consistent, yeah, if he can be consistent and healthy, I think he's worthy of the ninth best center. I'm I'm truly not mad at it. Like if he was getting Anthony Simons money, then I'd be like, oh, that's a lot of pressure on that on you. But a slight raise, and then he is in there. There the players around him, you can make that argument that Yusuf is a better player or just as valuable as the people up above him. So looking at that, it, it made me like less less upset because you know 17 million is a lot of money, but in comparison to other players in that position, it's like Yusuf at 17 or Rudy Gobert on the Timberwolves for 40. I mean, let, let's be real. 40 and five first round draft picks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, there's much worse center contracts out there. So Yusuf, if he can stay healthy and consistent, he's going to be worth the 17.5. One thing to note is, and this is why I'm so glad Portland actually drafted Shaden Sharp and Jabari Walker, the starting lineup, assuming Jeremy Grant comes into the fold and Josh Hart starts at the three, approximately like $119 million. The salary cap is 123. So that starting five is almost taking up the entire salary Mm -hmm. cap. So again, and that's going to get higher once Jeremy Grant probably signs his inevitable extension. So the Blazers need to be just, just, I just caution like they really have to kind of put it together this year. Otherwise I think you may see a little bit of, of a teardown. Oh, it um, will be an immense teardown if this year uh, work. because you're, you're paying that much money. You're, you don't want to go into the luxury tax. You always want to make sure you have the mid-level exception uh, available rather than the taxpayers mid-level. So it, it's just going to be interesting. You've got Nasir little available uh, for an extension right now, or he could become a restricted free agent next summer. And you just don't have a lot of money coming off of your books. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how this, this group gels together. They clearly put all of their chips into Anthony, Yusuf, and using their, their asset to go out and, and get Jeremy Grant. But they did have the mid-level, and I don't know if they used it all. This isn't the podcast for you if you're a, a CBA nerd. Like I think I, I would class myself as having minimal knowledge. I can talk a little bit about it. If you want to know more about the CBA, there are other podcasts to listen to. Or other Twitters, really. Yes. But they they used approximately 90% of their mid-level exception, went out and got Gary Payton the second, a.k.a. Mittens. And I, I really like the pickup. Um, I think for the first time since Wesley Matthews uh, and maybe Greg Anthony in 2000, Portland has a point of attack defender in the backcourt. Sage, that is something that you and I have just been going to the top uh, of Mount Hood and just yelling at for, for since we started this podcast, really. Once Wesley got hurt, we were like, who's going to defend on the perimeters? We have been asking for that. And it's important to keep in mind, Gary Payton II wasn't just a, a, a role player for the Warriors. He was an important player. He was in that finishing five. He was finishing off finals games. So he has the experience 
if someone like Steve Kerr can trust him and figure out to make it work, Portland damn sure better do it. He's 6'3". He plays bigger than that. I can anticipate him doing a lot of things that kind of like Lou Dort does really for Oklahoma City. Like he's not going to be a threat to, to shoot the basketball. But he also, when I watched him closely in the finals, because both he and Draymond were on the court and both of them aren't really uh, they don't look to even score yet. Golden State made it work. I get it. They have they have Steph. I, I get that. But Gary Payton, the second is so smart that he passed up even a couple of three point opportunities to just dribble into the paint and collapse the defense and kicked it out to a shooter or just made the right pass. He's not going to beat you by taking stupid shots. So I don't think you have to worry about that offensively. He's a, he's a highlight film waiting to happen. He, Ant, Nasir, Shaden, that's going to be super fun to watch if they ever get loose. But defensively, I love what Portland can finally do. Um, and it also allows the Blazers, and I think this is important. We always talk about there's 82 games. There's the coronavirus still. There's possibly really pushing or limiting back Dame's minutes. This allows you now to stagger Dame and Ant a little bit more. You get some defense alongside one of those two ball-dominant guards. You know, remember, Dame and Ant both thrive with the ball in their hands. GP2 is not going to – he's not going to need that rock. He's going to be okay just doing the dirty work, moving off ball, and I really think if you're going to make it work with Nurkic, he could have a lot of fun with a player like GP2. I mean, yeah. Having Gary Payton not be like a, a guy that util, that needs the ball to be effective is is really important for the Blazers since they have so many ball-dominant dudes with Yusuf being a guy that needs the ball in his hands to be successful, Ant and Dame, of course. Um, when, when, the, uh, when that tweet went out that they, they were choosing between uh, Mittens and Bruce Brown – I got it. I, I got what they were looking for. They were a guy, looking for a guy that played defenses, defense and then played offense around the margins. It wasn't going to be a guy that was like, you know, the, the most ball dominant guy that they were looking for. They're looking for a guy that knows his role in Bruce Brown or um, uh, Gary Payton the second. Um, I honestly wanted the cheaper one because of I think that they both are really good at their role. But ha- having Gary Payton, he he showed in the regular season that he could hit that wide open corner three Bruce Brown, when he was his most effective hit a floater at a really high rate. The reason Gary Payton was able to be in the, the, uh, the lineup was he wasn't the most active shooter, but he could hit the open three if, you know, they developed enough space for him. So as long as he can keep that level of production up, He's going to be really, really valuable. It, it's pretty crazy when you think of what he can do as a playmaker. And his biggest thing, when we were analyzing him for the Blazers, he could not dribble at all. Now he is a good enough decision maker and playmaker to be able to set the table up for shooters. The The way that he developed himself is pretty amazing because he was he was very raw in terms of the offensive side of the ball when he wasn't in transition. Now he can be in the half court and set people up. We have to move more for him to be as optimized as possible because Dame isn't the most active mover off ball, but he can set players up and to see that improvement in his game 
you know, from when we were talking about him at Oregon State till now is a pretty amazing thing. But I, I definitely see him being that that disruptor defensively. Don't worry about the height. As long as he still has the Gary Payton, the second heart, though, that makes up for a few inches of actual height. I, I think that we're worried about, you know, having a plethora of six, three guards. He's the type of guy that it doesn't matter. He's going to put in the effort in his 2k card. They put him at point guard and power forward that he he's not, he's not going to be stuck on only a six, three defender. He's, he's going to go up and down based on the need of the Blazers. So I, I, I like the pick wish it was a little less expensive, but Hey, I, I mean, I'm very happy for Gary Payton, the second making real money. Yeah, anytime you have to pry somebody away from their original team, you always have to pay a little bit more of a premium uh, to get that done, to get them out of their comfort zone and to get them to, you know, really uproot their family and like, oh, I'm going to another team. Like, this is a journeyman. Like, he's been with multiple teams, multiple G League teams. Like, he found a home there. So for him to be like, okay, I'm going to make the move again, you kind of have to make it worth their while to do so. Um, I I just, I, I thought it was good value. Um, obviously the Blazers need another big, um, that's, that's no surprise. I mean, no, nobody is going to, to argue that, but it's important to remember that the, this reagent class isn't great. And the available bigs that Portland could go after, like, is, is, is Otto Porter Jr. Really, really doing it for you? Like how motivated, how motivated is he going to be now that he's gotten the, the bag again, um, Danilo Gallinari, he's going to go to a contender. Like I, the the backup centers, you know, I know there was a lot of uh, love for Mo Bamba and Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, do you really want to pay thirty million dollars for two centers? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think that's feasible. I mean, that's kind of why I wanted to keep the thirty six pick and draft a guy like Christian Coloco um, to come in and play those minutes. But Portland, you know, Drew Eubanks will will be fine. They still have. Um, Trent Watford to play spot minutes. They could go small if they want to. I I just, I think with what Portland is doing, they're going to go, they're going to go small, but quick and and long and and they're going to and versatile and they're going to really try and pester other teams. And, you know, maybe if the right opportunity comes along, they're able to pick up that backup big. Um, They're they're still the draft next year. They're still, I think, I mean, they still have a couple other trade exceptions, uh, potentially the Bay, uh, the biannual exception. They have a couple other avenues. They still have Eric Bledsoe's contract um, to utilize. Uh, so you just you just don't know. Yes, is there a bit of a logjam in the guards? I would say kind of. Like I, if you were expecting, you know, Didi and Keon to get a lot of run this year, that's that was never going to happen. I mean, uh, Shaden Sharp's going to now he's really going to have to work and earn those minutes. I mean, I, of course, I want to see him play, but you know. He, you got to beat out some of the guys to, to get uh, some, some spot minutes. And if he does that, that will really make those minute minutes much more meaningful than just saying here, we're go out and just develop you. Um, he'll, he'll get that run in practice. One thing that I thought was uh, pretty hilarious was seeing Joe Ingles on day one signing with the bucks. And that was one player I did not want to bring back. Ingles was already on the decline and is coming off of an ACL injury. And we've seen players miss just the entire season in better condition than Joe Ingles and, and Jamal Murray and Kawhi Leonard. Like it's, it's a long process. And I just, I go back to that, 
that press conference when when Joe Cronin was like, we value Joe Ingles' bird rights. And it's like, no, you don't. You're just, you're just, it's PR. You're trying to make a shit sandwich taste a little bit better because the team was completely in tank mode and maybe give the, the marketing folks at the Blazers something to do um, or tweet about. I, I don't really know, but I, I never bought. I never bought into that belief that the Blazers wanted to bring Joe Ingles back. There's you draft Shane Sharp. You got Josh Hart. You have Nasir Little. You have Justice Winslow. Where would the minutes have even came from? So um, hopefully Joe Ingles, like I have nothing against him. I just never bought into that being a fit at all in Portland. I mean, you got to win that, that, that conference a little bit. Like, Joe, people know who Joe Ingles is. Ca- casual fans know who Joe Ingles is. The division rival. Yeah, like you can't you can't say, oh, we don't really value him, because that's not how you win. You win that uh, that that press conference. You have to actually like stretch the truth a little bit, or, or completely lie and say, yeah, he he's wow. a <laughs> he he's a value member of the team. No, he made friends with Josh Hart on Twitter, and uh, we hope and. We, we hope that he recovers really well and we, we, we can be just a landing spot for him. I mean, I get it. You have to win that, uh, that, that press conference or at least like not make it look like, Hey, we're tanking. Uh, real, real quick <laughs> uh, thoughts on Drew Eubanks, probably coming back one year for the minimum. If it's a minimum, I don't, I just truly don't care. Uh, I mean, if he's our third big, our third center, good for him. If the second center then, because I don't know. Trendon probably should play power. I mean, center. He doesn't. He can't stretch the floor. But I, I, I will never have negative feelings over a minimum player. Yeah, he tries hard. <laughs> yeah, and he's I mean, at least he's at least mobile. Um, so yeah, I think you can throw him there in spot minutes. The team I think is going to, it in a way feels a lot like a couple of years past where we were really banking on Nurkic. I think almost everything rides on what Yusuf is able to do. And that that's scary as shit. Let, let's not uh, <clears throat> sugarcoat that. But when you go same, GP with your uh, MLE, this is the one avenue, right? Yep. So before we move in and talk about what the, the rest of the league is doing, because there has just been crazy news and I wanted to get your thoughts on it, Sage. Portland right now has like, I think like 16 players under contract and a two-way spot available. What do you expect them to do? I mean, everyone keeps kind of thinking, oh, Josh Hart could be on the move. There's too many guards, but he's already like welcoming Gary Payton on, on Instagram. He's well established maybe, in the league, man. Yeah, I thought maybe there was Josh. something with Nurk. It took him a while to get signed, but no, he is, he's linked up. Um, I think they've got to try and maybe package Bledsoe and a couple other smaller, very smaller pieces just to get that roster down a bit, maybe just get one piece. Um, so that's what I would be um, looking out for. Any any thoughts on what else Portland could do this summer? I mean, package Bledsoe and, and Didi or, or whoever for, you know, backup big like Tony Bradley or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be sexy whatsoever. It's like we did everything that we should have done. Like this is this is basketball uh, team building 101. We did everything we needed to do. Now it gets to the point where we're working around the edges and hopefully we get another center that can at least 
he fills all of the 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 uh the bar for entry to be a rotation big like you know like i would love a mark williams now to be our backup big but you know like it, it's just finding like somebody that because of the uh their their team build up they have a center that's that deserves playing time that doesn't get it so when when i saw that uh andre drummond got signed to that uh I think it's a two-year, $6 million deal. I think Tony Bradley's still on the roster. Let, let's get him or Tristan uh, Tristan Thompson. He, he's he's on that roster, I think, still. So, like, just finding a guy that, because of what happened, doesn't have a role, try and target that player and bring him in to, to fill that, that third big role. Quickly. Give me a knee-jerk grade so far of Portland's offseason, which includes the draft as well as free agency. Because you added the draft. A minus because of the draft. I think I think Walker getting Jabari Walker is a humongous value that people aren't really realizing because he he should have been the he should have been our, our our 40th pick and he fell to 56. Like that's a that's a huge value. Shaden Sharp. I mean, at worst was seventh on our boards. So we got yeah, we he got was good. third on my boards. So I was still so, yeah, we got well, seventh on mine. But we got really good value in the draft. So that brings it up. I mean, we we traded for Jeremy Grant. That's a win for what we're trying to do. I I haven't found anybody like the none of the contracts are really like ew. It's all like reasonable. And, you know, it's like we had a competent guy doing his role. So I don't, I don't really have any like negative thoughts about this. I, I get it. I understand it. So B plus a minus. Yep. I, I go B B plus uh, depending on what incentives, how, how the wind blows that, that time of the day. Like I, I go between a B and a B plus uh, it would be a lot lower for me if Portland would have traded the seventh pick. Oh No, no, the, that that's a completely different. Yeah. That's, I am really high on this offseason just because we have something to look forward to in shade and sharp if things go go south. And that's always been my concern is like, all right, what if this doesn't work out and you really do have to move uh, a lot of pieces around? Well, we have a, a good base, a good foundation to go off of if that was the case. And also, like, I see a lot of people at least on online or certain forums, just like saying this is a disaster or, or a meltdown and what are we doing? Get another guard. You have to know what the reality is and what your expectations are. If you really thought Kevin Durant was coming, if you really thought DeAndre Ayton was coming, you're already setting yourself up for, for failure and for just being down in the dumps. Like that, that just was never going to happen. Like I, and I think you, we've been a proponent of the rebuild. I know they're not going to do that. I know they're going to try to win with Dame. This is the best version of winning with Dame that personally I'm on board with. Like we kept the seventh pick. We still got some youth, but yeah, they used an avenue to go get Jeremy Grant. I actually love Gary Payton the second. So I was stoked when we got him. I can't remember the last time I've been excited over a, a mid-level signing uh, that Portland got. Like this, that was, was a great acquisition. He's going to be fun to watch. Um, so I just think you have to know what the expectations are versus what, what the reality is. And this is the reality. They're going to try to win with Dame. They didn't sacrifice a lot of long-term assets to do it. Um, they look to be 
at least whether Jody Allen is selling the team or not, whoever she's selling it to, they're willing to spend because that team is going to be incredibly expensive once the 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 pen, you know, the ink dries on, on all those contracts. So yeah, I, I'm I'm fine with it. I love the draft. I think Walker and Sharp was one of the better drafts in the entire NBA. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to give up a whole lot to get to get Jeremy Grant. Now, would I have liked to use that pick, which ended up being Jalen Duran and Kemba Walker's salary? Absolutely, give me Jalen Duran ten times out of ten. But again, though that wasn't what the expectations were. That wasn't what the reality was. The Blazers wanted to get Jeremy Grant. They wanted to show some good faith to Damian Lillard, and that's what they did. And it wasn't a, a massive pay to go out and, and get Grant to you know shore up that that power forward spot. So yeah, I, I'm I'm fine with what they've done. I'm actually you know excited to see how it all comes together. But man, Sage, the entire NBA seems to be turned upside down. It's I want to get your thoughts on some of these you deals. Know, the, the Blazers aren't playing my GM on easy mode. Like they, no. they had to they had to use the the assets that they had to fill up the roster. They did a good job at doing it, a competent job at doing it. You, I I personally can't see a way where I'm like upset about it because. This is this is a really good outcome, a really good realistic outcome for for what you know the, this push for Dame is. You keep you stay young and you get a good player. Before we get to the rest of the league, I do want to address a question we got from Sir Franks a lot, aka Jay on Twitter. So shout out to Jay for the question. Um, I'm gonna go with the second question first. Assuming this is our roster, give or take a player or two. Who starts at small forward in your mind? You know, I for the longest time I thought it was Josh Hart, but if 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 Nasty Nas kills it in in uh you know the training camp and preseason, I could see him playing the small forward role as well. Cause I don't think Josh Hart has that ego where he has to start. So it, it, I think it's between Josh Hart and Nasty Nas. Uh, what about you? I think those are the options. Um, it might be nice to keep Josh Hart off the bench because we've seen... Who, what, who's going to handle the ball if Josh Hart isn't on the court? Yeah, I mean, you've also got to look at who's going to score the basketball as well because when he was allowed to be the first option on offense, he did really well um, towards the end of that season he'll become arguably the first or second option on offense when he's on the floor as, as, as a bench player. So the more I think about it, the more, yeah, I do think Nasir Little will start. It seemed like he is kind of the apple of the coaching staff's eye and hopefully he's just healthy. Like I think he brings a different um, gear to, to you don't Portland. need to run plays for Nas. He, hustles, he can he just, he can defense. just do what he, what he does and he can be successful at it. Josh Hart, you know, you're going to have to give him some playmaking reps because he, he does what the coach asks as a playmaker penetrate and pass. Um, So I I definitely could see, you know, that second rotation being ant Josh Hart and Shaden sharp as, as our guards. So, I mean, I, I think that Josh Hart's versatility allows for him to play either role, but I, I think that, he needs that playmaking responsibility, whereas Nas doesn't really need that. So 
it fits the best having this year be the starting three and then, you know, replacing him with Josh Hart and Shaden Sharp as, as, as needed. Second part to that question. There are five options next to Damon Ant at the small forward. Rank those options. You've got Josh Hart, Nasir Little, Mittens, Gary Payton the second, Shaden Sharp, or Justice Winslow. Give me your one through five. How would you? you Justice is five. Justice is five. I would say Justice is five as well. So we've um, got that. What's your four then? It's it, it's a three. It's our three wings and Gary. Right. Sorry. Um, what part of the game is it? Just that, I think that matters. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it. I think it's situational as well. I think they're all. They're all pretty good options. Um, selfishly, because I want to see one, right? <laughs> Jaden, I think, has the ability to be the best fit. And Absolutely. he's got the length. He's got the shot making. He's got the shooting. Uh, he just has the height, the athleticism. He has everything you want that you could really make it work. So I would probably say Shaden, Nasir, and then Josh Hart and, and GP. Uh, and GP would be uh, situational for me, but I, I think yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's all it, it, context matters in this, it, with this question because like if it's if it's the last five minutes, I might want Gary Payton to lock up whoever has the ball. But if it's like um, start of the second quarter, throw Shaden Sharp in there. So it, it's context matters with that one. So I, I you know, like it, for this year, it's probably Nas Josh Hart. Uh, Shaden Sharp, Gary Payton, and, and Justice. In future years, Shaden Sharp's going to overtake both of them. And then I don't think Justice is on the team in the future. So, All right, let's get to the rest of the league. I would start off with Kevin Durant, but I, that's not what I'm really kind of buzzing about. Rudy Gobert was traded in division from Utah to Minnesota for a combination of just a bunch of role players. you got... Jared Vanderbilt, uh, Patrick Beverly. They got the draft rights to Walker Kessler. Um, Malik Beasley. Malik Beasley. They got the draft rights to Leandro Balmero, the 2020, 2020 or 2021 second round. No, we pick. wrote a blog about it. I wrote a blog about him. So yes. And three unprotected picks, a 2029, like top four, top five protect, protected pick, and a pick swap in 2026. I. Danny Ainge, whether you love him or hate him, essentially just did the Pierce Garnett to Brooklyn deal again. How am I wrong in thinking that he just completely fleeced the Utah Jazz? I mean, they traded or a the lot of assets. Excuse me. They traded a lot of assets for a guy that is a questionable fit. Like, That's a Kevin Durant type of haul. And you're playing, you're trading for a guy who can't play in the postseason. How are they going to make up for one? Like it, there's quite, it's not a seamless fit whatsoever. I, in a world I see, I could see it working, but I can also see there's more cases where it doesn't work. So you're pushing out all of your, your chips for something that's questionable. Like DeJounte Murray is, would have been such a better fit than, than Rudy Gobert. I I get that Carl Anthony Towns isn't the best center who uh, defends well, and you need a guy that can defend well. So why not get the best? But, you're putting like $70 million in your bigs. So it better work or you're like, there was so much positive momentum about this team. Remember like 
They they competed really hard. They beat the Clippers. Like, Speaking of competing, they lost two of their their heart and soul players in Jared Vanderbilt and Patrick Beverly. Like they're gonna have to really go out on the market and find. I don't know how many people are going to take pay cuts to go play for Minnesota. They're they're a playoff team, but they're not a, a contender. So I don't. I I, I would be just devastated if I was a Wolves fan. I, I love this for Utah that they had the the wherewithal to realize what they had going on with Mitchell and Gobert. They peaked. They tore it down. I am surprised that they got that value from a one-way player on just a ridiculous contract. They also sneakily gave up a first-round pick to uh, they gave up Royce Neal for a first-round picks. So they have now three first-round picks in this 2023 draft. Um, it says they're going to you know, try to rebuild around Donovan Mitchell, but how I read that is, is we're going to play a season with Donovan. If he wants out, we'll probably get the same haul from somebody else. So uh, you're looking at maybe a, a mini Oklahoma City type of rebuild. And that's, that's scary if you're the Blazers because you already can kind of see what's unfolding in Oklahoma City. It won't take long for them to get it together. Um, so kudos to, to Utah for for doing that. Uh, you mentioned DeJounte Murray. I really was surprised to hear his name mentioned in trade rumors. A first-time All-Star last year, still 25 years old, two-way player, can play the one or the two. I would have loved that much better for Minnesota to get Murray. But another team with a, a guard who needed defensive help, the Atlanta Hawks swooped in and paired him with Trey Young. Uh, I I think that is a, a good move for the Hawks. I can see the rationale for the Spurs, but I'm more in it for the Hawks. Uh, they got another first round pick back by trading Kevin Herter to the Sacramento Kings, also picking up uh, Maurice Harkless and Justin Holiday, who, you know, I just, I think that's a solid trade for them there. Uh, but putting a defensive minded player around Trey Young was smart. Like they stopped. Yeah, they, they, they saw what happened last year. That team got exposed defensively. They couldn't guard a chair. And they went out and got one of the top three perimeter defenders, top five in, in the league. Uh, those players come at a cost. Look at what Drew Holiday cost uh, Milwaukee to go out and get him from New Orleans. So compare DeJounte looks like a bargain compared to Rudy Gobert, the cost of acquisition. Absolutely. I mean, and if you're the Spurs, like I get it. They're probably trying to tank and, and get in the, the Victor uh, sweepstakes uh, next year. But I actually really liked their young core. So it's a little bit of a bummer for me. Like they had Devin Vassell, Malachi Branham, um, Keldon Johnson and, and DeJounte Murray, Jakob Hurdle. Like they were building something it felt sustainably. And yeah, if you play, like I don't think they're a play in team next year. Because I think there's not going to be as much. I mean, if there aren't injuries, so they could have shut him down like we shut down Anthony, like OKC shuts down, you know, Shea Gildas Alexander, and still got their you know lottery ticket punched for for those sweepstakes. So it's it's a bit of a bummer for me. I, I don't I don't necessarily get it. I don't think those picks are going to be super valuable because Trey Young is young, uh, Dejounte still getting into his peak. They still if they can uh, mend fences with John Collins, they still have Capella, Okongwu. Like DeAndre Hunter, like that, yeah, that is they, they really, have they have a good team, man. A really good team. So uh, I, I liked it uh, for Atlanta. I understood what San Antonio was doing, but I just I like it a little bit less. I mean, who's gonna um, who's gonna Devin Vassell cannot in this point in his career he cannot set people up. 
who's setting the table for Devin Vassell? Who's setting the table for Johnson? Ray Jones? Yeah, like Blake Wesley now? Ugh. Malachi Branham? They they just have a got a lot of guys that need to be fed the good shots in spots that like they can hit at. So I mean, it, I, I think that the Spurs kind of cemented that they're going to be an atrocious team next year. So maybe, maybe they're hoping that the, the, the gods will bless them with Victor, but man, it's going to be rough for the Spurs next year. Indiana sent Malcolm Brogdon to Boston for a 2023 pick Aaron Nesmith um, and Daniel Dice. I think that's incredible value for Malcolm Brogdon for Boston to acquire him. My only question is they now have Brogdon, Derek White, Marcus Smart, and Peyton Pritchard. Uh, feels like that's a little crowded. Are they potentially gearing up for a Kevin Durant trade where they'll move Jalen Brown and a couple of those pieces and still have plenty in the tank? Um, because Brogdon's value, that, that is incredible value by Brad Stevens to go out and, and get him. I just I think he fits what he fits with almost wants. everybody. Yeah, he fits what Boston wants to do. Like he, he's going to hit an open shot. He's a smart player. He's going to play good defense, and you can just count on him. He's a very heady, poised player. He all he has always been that way, whether he was with Milwaukee or Indiana. And uh, I think that that was a sweet deal for for the Celtics. Um, I I just felt like Indiana should have gotten more. Uh, as much as I liked him pre-draft, Aaron Nesmith has not hit. Titus is, is whatever salary filler. And that, that pick is going to be like 25, 26. It's going to be a bad pick. It's a bad pick. So I feel like they could have gotten more um, for, for, for Brogdon. So love what Boston has, has done since Brad Stevens went to the, the front office. They brought in Udoka, got the Jays, Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum to, to play as, as, as a, just a unit. And, you know, they're, they're going to be, again, one of the favorites out of, out of the Eastern conference. I mean, Malcolm brought like the one question is, can he finally get healthy? Because Carlisle played him when he was obviously hurt. So can he use this offseason and finally get healthy? Because a healthy Malcolm Brogdon is a game changer for the uh, the, the Celtics, not the uh, Pacers. But if he can if he can be healthy, he's in a fill a role. He's going to be able to set Jason Tatum up with better shots. I mean, having Marcus Smart be your your main ball handler, it, it, it's a, a double-edged sword. There's going to be some days where Marcus looks like a great player, and then there's sometimes where he struggles. Having uh, Malcolm Brogdon kind of fills in that that uh, high variance of uh, performances, and just as it, he's going to be solid and calm and a good presence in that locker room. And like, if, if he can get healthy, like. There were times in the last few years where Malcolm Brogdon probably should have been in the all-star at least conversation. So having a guy that can do all that, it, it, it's nice. So the Celtics got really good value. I'm, you know, I, I don't really value anything that the Celtics gave away. So essentially it was nothing for a guy that's a really valuable, good point guard. Lastly, Sage, where do you think Kevin Durant goes? And if you were a team looking to inquire about KD if there's, is there a limit to what you would offer or do you think this is a one-way ticket to the finals? I, I, I think it's either Phoenix or Miami. Right. I, I don't think Miami has the juice to get it done. Bobby Marks said that because 
they have uh, Bam Adebayo on a rookie max extension. Brooklyn already has Ben Simmons on a rookie max, rookie max extension. You can't have more than one of those for whatever goddamn reason. So they would have to ship Ben Simmons out to another team. I don't think Hero and Duncan Robinson. No, they don't get it. It, it doesn't. I, I, All signs point to Phoenix, right? Yeah. I mean, thinking self, Booker has to. Is it Aiton? Is it Aiton enough? Well, it's got to be Aiton Bridges or maybe send Aiton to a third team, a bunch of picks. They're probably what they're working out right now. But if I was Brooklyn, I and I, you know, Zach Lowe said this, and I was talking to you about it. You call Cleveland for Mobley. You call Toronto for Scotty Barnes. I think those are found, truly foundational pieces to build upon. Um, I think Cleveland says no because they don't have enough in the, the tank without Evan Mobley to get it done. Toronto would be interesting if it was just Barnes and Gary Trent. You still have Fred Van Elite. You still have uh, Chris Boucher, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi. With Durant, Like that is a championship team. They've already been known to roll the dice. Yeah, they, 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 they are in a risk averse in this. Getting Kawhi Leonard for, you know, DeMar DeRozan and Jakob Pertl. Again, that cost of injury was much lower, but Kawhi Leonard was an unrestricted free agent. Kevin Durant's locked up for four years. So that would be, Toronto would be the, the dark horse team for me. Um, but I think Utah fucked everyone over. Who That's was a looking lot. To get, who is looking to get Kevin Durant because Sean Marks cannot trade Kevin Durant for, for less than what Rudy Gobert got. So, I mean, that I I get it. The Blazers haven't made the the finals in 30 years. And I would love to watch that during my lifetime, but you, it's just, it, that it might be the riskiest trade in league history because Kevin Durant is 34 years old. He has had injuries before, including the Achilles just three years ago. Um, that that's that's just that's a lot. So whoever is able to get that done, uh, I, I I salute them if they're willing to, to roll the dice on that. So I think Phoenix is the team that's going to do that. They have never won an NBA championship. They've been so close, losing in the finals in 2021, having the league's best record in 2022. Um, you know they're not getting any younger with Chris Paul as as a, as a huge piece of that. They have never really valued DeAndre Ayton. So if you can get it for Aiton, Bridges, Jay Crowder, and Picks. I think you go ahead and do that, and you're now the favorites to to win it all. But I think it's going to cost more than that. I think it's probably will be a multi-team trade. Um, the, the intriguing part for me is if I was Toronto, would I give up Scotty Barnes? Um, and, and I think I probably would if I would if it was just Barnes and Trent and Picks because I think that is still more than enough in the cupboard. And you've got a great coach. You've got a great. Uh, GM to, to get that done. Uh, I mean, you turn G League or Chris Boucher into a legitimate rotation player. So, I mean, the Toronto system probably is going to turn Malachi. No, no, uh, uh, shoot. Who's their ba- backup point guard? He, he, Malachi Flynn. Malachi Flynn into like a legitimate player. So, I, if, if you're going to put your trust in some, uh, you know, bad players to turn into good players, it, it's Toronto. But I mean, it would really be exciting for me as like a lifelong Chris Paul fan for him to be paired up with KD. Monty Williams is an unbelievably good guy to have Chris Paul, Devin Booker and KD and him as the coach would be really interesting. And it would make me very happy for uh, all those good guys to uh, potentially get a chip. 
before we head out, give me uh, just give me one one of your winners so far in 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 the offseason, as well as one of your losers. I, I think Atlanta is a very like I wish that they kept uh, Ryan Rollins because I think he him at that point pick was a, a tremendous value. But they got AJ Griffin, they got Dejounte Murray. I mean, they still have a bunch of pieces left to make another trade if they need. So I would say uh, Atlanta is one of the bright spots. I also think the Rock, what the Rockets did and what Detroit did is great, especially in the draft. But uh, I would say one of the biggest losers is Minnesota because of the question marks that they have uh, created with so much, trading so much for Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I would agree with all of that. My my biggest loser is Miles Bridges, though. What um, it's just awful, but what he did and probably what has been going on in in that household for quite some time. Like I, I just hope that his 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 family is going to be able to regroup somehow from that and get out of that environment. Because uh, if you're not aware. Um, arrested for domestic violence. His his wife was just like, I'm tired of hearing all the chatter. Like, here's here's the report. Here's the photos. Here's everything that happened to me. Um, it's beyond disturbing. So um, I, I I hope that the the punishment is is severe for Miles Bridges because if you allow this to kind of go under the rug or just a slap on the wrist, it's a I bad president to to do. Brad, it's a bad precedent. It's also incredibly, I think, hypocritical when you're putting out statements in favor of Title IX mm-hmm. and in support of, of women's reproductive rights. And then you have one of your players go out and, and commit such atrocities like this. So um, I, I hope Adam Silver is able to do uh, the right thing um, once all of the dust is settled. So um team wise i I will say it's probably the brooklyn nets maybe the 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 biggest losers so far like they they had it all seemingly like katie and Kyrie in 2019 just wanted to sign there they gave up a just treasure trove of assets what really built that team that team was fun even prior to katie and Kyrie. they had karis levert and jared allen spencer dinwiddie they just gave it all up for James Harden. They they were hurt. There was the coronavirus. They the vaccine mandate. It, just too many big personalities, big egos on the floor, off the floor. Just a major headache across the board. They trade away Harden. The player they get back in turn hasn't played for them in like a year. And Ben Simmons, mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving opts in, still wants out. And then the day after he he opts in, Kevin Durant is like, trade me. Um, I feel for Steve Nash and I feel for Sean Marks and I feel for the teammates who have to just like constantly have their names put, put in this predicament. So, um, I, I, I don't know when it's going to get resolved, but that, that, that kind of sucks for them because this is like the second time they kind of really been, I mean, it was their own doing, but they've kind of been screwed over with the Pearson Garnett trade with Billy King. And then Sean Marks being like, yeah, let's, let's go out and get this big three that just flopped i mean just talk about your blockbuster just flopping opening weekend and i don't know if how many more times they're going to get a chance to to build something special in brooklyn because i mean they've already used up two of their 
two of their tries, basically. I mean, it, it it's not going to be in this Biden presidency where they can try and make it another move. It, it, it It's in the future, at least four years. I mean, when do they have the access to their own pick? Like that's when it's the rebuild starts. I don't know because Houston has all their picks. Yeah. So whenever that, like Houston's in a great spot right now, like this teardown of the nets really improves all of those Houston picks. So, I I mean, it it is an interesting thing to see. I think a lot of the the fireworks are now done. We're waiting on KD and the decision on that. And then, I think it's 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 about team building for the Blazers now with with cheap cost controlled, you know, one year signings and you know find, finding the market inefficiencies of free agency is the next step for the Blazers. All right, y'all. We'll be back if any more news breaks. If not, you'll hear from us probably during summer league, which kicks off here in about a week. Portland will play Detroit. I think they have Houston on the schedule as well. It'll be really fun to see uh, a lot of the young players, especially our first round and second round picks and Josh Hart and, or not Josh Hart, Shaden uh, Sharp. Sharp, Sharp and uh, Jabari Walker. Uh, Sage, let our listeners know where they can um, find us and, and take us on out. We're available wherever you uh, find your podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya podcast, um, all the, all the podcatchers that, you use we're on so spotify as well and you know like and review this the show give us five stars and uh we will be back this summer to talk about the portland trailblazers peace wherever you may be this is bill shinley good night everybody Let's go!